Hello, everybody. This is Marilee Albert, and you're listening to Drinks with Tony, where you do not get to drink a cocktail, which will be discussed later. And on the Drinks with Tony show. Yeah. Okay, go. You're listening to Drinks with Tony. I'm your host, Tony Duchesne. Today on the show, we have Marilee Albert. She's the author of The Tutor. She also started One Village Green, a nonprofit promoting mental health in American kids and communities. And her favorite job in film biz will always be her first as her favorite director's philosophy tutor. Marilee, hi. Hi, how are you? Yeah, I'm a little all right. Yeah, you know, I got a little bit of, I've been a little bit vaguely irritable. And then we met and I'm like, oh, wow, you know, this is going to be You're great. you a good mood meeting me because I am more irritable than you. Really? Absolutely. I'm very agitated on a general basis. Oh, okay. That's kind of I your have baseline. Teenagers, which is really why. Yeah. Unless you have teenagers, you wouldn't know. Yeah, I I they're don't wonderful. have teenagers. No, they're wonderful. <laughs> they're fantastic. They're amazing. This week we have a Chinese exchange student, so he's amazing. Are you supposed to call them Chinese? Yes. <laughs> I'm just. He's like... actually from Chengdu, China. <laughs> so hence Chinese. I don't know why I find the stupidity of like trying to call people out on how it's appropriate that way. He actually is from China, hence he's Chinese, as opposed to if he were Korean and I called him Chinese, that would be inappropriate and extremely tacky. Yeah, he's a great kid. He's I'm trying to teach my kid how to behave by just you know look at that kid. That's how you should act. Wow. So having an exchange student is almost like bringing in an example. Yes. of how your kids should act. Yes, because don't get me started. I have another incident with my other kid. We'll talk about that later. Okay, so we'll bookmark that. Bookmark the uh, second kid. <laughs> 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 We're at the alcove in Los Feliz, and this is your old hood. It's my old stomping grounds. Yes. I couldn't even find my way in there. It was really depressing. I, went, I tried to open the wrong door. <laughs> that oh, shows yeah. you how long I've been stuck out in the suburbs. Yeah. The suburbs. Well, the, sub- yeah, the suburbs are all right. Or They're fine. Yeah. If you like that sort of thing. Yeah. That's why I had to write a sex book when right. I was stuck out there because I got bored. So that's an important thing for writers to know. If they're blocked, go to the suburbs, Absolutely. get bored. Get bored. And then your friends on the east side will be mad at you because you never go visit them. But it turns out you actually had time to write a book. Right. You put your thought and focus into writing the sex book. Yeah. And then your friends got mad at you, but you got the sex book written. So it's good. It's awesome. And then they all have to congratulate you and go, yeah. oh, my God. Luckily, nobody reads anymore. So it's all good. <laughs> Including my teenage boys. What is, do you think? Do you think reading will come back for teenage boys going up? No, no, no because no. we're preparing humanity for deep space travel. My children are actually. I think we're we're in advance of the prep. Like my kids are ready for deep space travel. Really? I thought it would be like a few generations behind. Yeah, yeah because they 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 have playdates on the phone. My kid one time said, oh, the new house is great. He was talking about his friend's new house. He goes, it's an amazing house. I mean, I totally love it. I'm like, you've never been to the house. He goes, oh, I've seen it. <laughs> oh it's disturbing. This really scares me because... Yeah. But we, but but I've told my friends not to be scared. It's prepping humanity for deep space travel. We'll talk about it later. Just trust me. I've figured it all out. You will just, Tony, that'll be another discussion. If you ever need to know why children are addicted to gaming, yeah. it's because of global warming. Because we're, we're preparing humanity to travel in small craft to other planets. I know that sounds like I'm a loony, but if you really think about it, yeah. human beings are getting less face-to-face. Right. So it, it's not actually that crazy. Yeah. I mean, I know it sounds crazy, like the loony merrily is telling you this weird sci-fi thing, but... It's just my theory, and I watch my children, and it's a little disturbing. The other, the thing about reading too is it's it's kind of unnecessary. Like my kid, my kid's really efficient. Like he thinks that if I talk to people, 
if I don't need anything from them, like it's a waste of a conversation. (laughs) But that's just my kid. A lot of kids aren't like that. They're actually like deeply compassionate and they care about other people. See, now the thing that scares me is because how we communicate as humans being like we're in person right now. So we have the full communication going on. Whereas if we were doing a Skype conversation, this would just, I would know it if I listened to it, that it was Skype. I look really bad at Skype calls. Like ugly, really awful. I look much better in person because the lighting is dimmer here. And, you know, Skype, I look worse in Skype than anybody else. I look like a full on hag. I'm just being honest. (laughs) So I I actually brushed my hair also. Like in Skype, I'm at home and the dog is barking and the dog is like playing, like get on me and like my hair's all messy and like the lighting's bad and I have like all my zits and like all the ugly shit. And in person, I'm like kind of covered up and I have my hair brushed and you can't really see me because there's some shadows. So I think it's a lot better for me personally. Can you Skype in your underwear? Because I can't. I can't because I don't look good. Like, I look really ugly. No, no. I'm talking about, I'm talking about, like, because if I'm oh, doing, like, a meeting, yeah, like, so, I, I actually yeah. even have to have shoes on when no, I'm no, Skyping. I don't have shoes on at home. Okay. That's lame. You got to work on that. Tony, the shoe thing, yeah. we're going to have to talk about that later. That's just, yeah. that's, that's sort of pathological. Is it? Yeah, mm, no, it's businessy. See, I, I, you know what? I'm not a good example. My kids say I dress like a homeless person. And in fact, oh. I have a, they have a rule. I have to put on jeans to go to school. I can't wear the sweats. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have to honor that. Is that for like parent-teacher conferences? No, is that like just to drop them off? Pick up, drop off. I'm a homeless person. That's what my kids say. And do you tell them, hey, look, you can get a ride from somebody else? Yeah. Yeah. From their dad. Because they're <laughs> spoiled. <laughs> they're, they're a-holes. It's 2020, honey. Just welcome to the world. <laughs> Welcome to the world, Tony. How do I m- embrace this, though? So much, so much Just scares you. Be glad you don't have children. Or do you? No, I don't. Okay. We're, I rest my case. No, my kids are great. I love them to death. Should I go get sterilized right after no, this? I think you should go get married and have some kids. Because <laughs> you have me now to, to uh, <laughs> give you all the lay of the land. I could, I could, I could take your wisdom and your mistakes, <clears throat> and then I, I want readers. If my kids don't read, they would, I would go, I, I would just I be like, I'm out. How do you how do you do take that? Take those phones away from them and take all the computers away. But we were too lazy. My husband and I had kids too late. We're exhausted. We're lazy. You know, my, my friend's like, I don't I don't allow them to have. You only have one hour of screen time. I'm like, okay, you try to write screenplays, write books, have a husband that's gone all the time, and clean the house, and do this and do that. And you know what? We'll have a conversation when you don't have yeah. a maid, a nanny, yeah. a, a tutor on a daily basis. They have they have coaches that come to the house. You know, I, my kids are out in this prep school, and all the parents are like, you know. There's a whole thing going on. That's yeah. another story, Tony. That would take another like five podcasts. We'll talk about that later. But I'll get you hooked up. We we'll get you married. We'll get you get you married off. We'll, we'll we'll set up you with new kids that like all they do is basket weave and play with wooden blocks and read. But you got to keep them away from the screens because the kids that are like that also they go to their friends' houses and they go crazy. Oh right. So be yeah. careful. It's it's very complex. We'll talk about it later. So see here when I was a kid and it, you know I was like yeah, coming. Uh, isn't it great? Yeah, my kid, my childhood was actually pretty awesome. Was it? Oh, mine was terrible. Yeah, you had to be a Jehovah. My parents didn't do anything. I had no rules, no no curfew, nothing. I had not one rule. Yeah. None. Zero. And all I do is study all the time. Really? Yeah, I had nothing to rebel against. That's Hello, great. Tony. Yeah. So that's how I've raised my kids. Right. But it worked on one and not the other. So my kids are great, but they're very different, and they're both awesome. Yeah. They're amazing. Yeah. So. That, I rest my case. I, 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 story. I'm a great parent. Let's move on. 
<laughs> I suck. I'm the worst parent. But we're going to move on. Luckily, my kids won't listen to this either. Well, I mean, the, the equivalent of kids not like having devices and not having all the entertainment and reading and then going and seeing all that. I'm trying to equate that to me growing up puberty where I where I didn't have cable television and then my friends yes and my friends had HBO and I would stay up till 11 o'clock to to see if there was a nipple okay that's just sad and wonderful all at once (laughs) it's tragic and beautiful and poignant and tragic and pathetic and it's all blended together to make Tony and I love it and I barely just I just met you so we're gonna work on you later I'm really good at working on people that's really that's my my monke, my profession monke, is a detective and a psychologist. Yeah. So I'm a pharma- psychopharmacologist wannabe. I'm a detective wannabe. I'm a criminal psychologist wannabe. I'm an abnormal psychologist wannabe. Yeah. And I have no degrees in any of those subjects. So, I mean, just uh, just for the vibe right now, and just because uh, for absolute, uh, what do you call it? Um, clarity? Not clarity, but that's a very good word. The specificity? The is a good word, too. But um, for my, just for my... What do you call it? My selfish, my my selfish desire. Yes. Selfish, patriarchal, desperately narcissistic, selfish, piggish, mannish. What? So what? what, So you can you work on people. What would you work on? You you see you see a fellow like me, and you're like, oh, that that guy needs work. Tony, you're lucky. I've cleared the decks today for you. My kid's homesick. I don't have to pick up the 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 exchange student on my older son from prep school till maybe like 4 30 yeah my husband's homesick with my other child yeah the dog the back door is open for the dog i right. i can work on you i can get a really good head start today all right i'm gonna i'm gonna uh, fix uh, you uh, uh, i didn't even know if you needed fixing or not <laughs> we're gonna work on it later first oh. we have to talk about my sex book no i'm just kidding it's not really a sex book Tutor. Yeah, we, we talk. I think, well, um, if you listen to Drinks with Tony, you'll see that we kind of just talk about oh, everything. By the way, I'm protesting. This is not a drink. We're having a coffee. And I'm actually annoyed with him over this. Okay, continue. <laughs> Let's go get Jaeger shots. I think they may have. We'll just can do we it. With, a, can we go? Where's that place across the, drawing, the street? The drawing room? Okay, I'm there. Let's just go. We'll do that. We're going to drive over to the dive bar. I got therapy after this. I can't show up drunk. Yes, you can. It's better. Or I have ketamine in my purse. Then you go to therapy. I'm just kidding. What is ketamine? I've never taken it. You know, like anything to do with hallucinogens and all these. I've never done it, but I'm joking. I don't have it in my purse. But if you had it, then you go to therapy. You're going to get more out of therapy. Just anything that releases Tony out of his little shell, because you're so you're so like repressed. Clearly, yes. See, you are, you're already <laughs> seeing it. You could see it just from that. That's what I'm getting at. You're understanding. You, know, you thought I was just some author, but you didn't know that I was going to help you change your life. Oh, and, and and I and I want change. I want change. Tony, I've got your back, babe. Okay. I just met you. I could tell. Yeah. I've got you. Don't yeah. worry about it. Is it in the eyes? Is it? Is, is it the? Is it screaming? It's the body language. It's your eyes. It's your hat. It's that that beanie hat with the little square top. It's your ring. It's you're just the best. I love you. You remind me a lot of my first employer in the entertainment industry. And that was the director who wanted who you were you tutored philosophy to a director. Um, director who has Oscars. He's pretty famous. And you're never going to tell me who I it is. I'm not telling you. I'm not trying to hide it. Oh, who is it? You want me to tell you? His name is Francis, so you can extrapolate from that. <laughs> uh, Francis McDormand. No, that's, uh, that's let me think. Woman. Yeah. Um, we, can, we can move on. And you're, you're the your first reader to guess which Oscar winning director named Francis. No, listen, I'm going to put this on the record. I love him. 
Love him. He's a great guy. I simply was a naive little nitwit who misread something, and I wrote a book about it. And also, I didn't just write a book about Francis. I wrote a book about my college boyfriend. I wrote a book about the little person who was my boss. I wrote a book about the prince. I wrote a book about the banker in New York. I wrote a book about all the men in my 20s. He just happened to be one of a group of men in my 20s. I decided to analyze my 20s within the context of the Me Too movement. I decided to analyze my sexuality. I decided to try to be the universal voice of 20-something female angst, i.e. catcher in the rye for a 20-something girl. Did I succeed? I have no idea. Did anybody buy my book? A lot of my friends did. Did I, did I actually create the universal voice of a 20-something woman? Sure, if she's a Yale graduate in phenomenology who speaks four languages and has like severe depression periodically and is a free-spirited freak who dumps boyfriends and is, was a sex maniac in her 20s, then if you're that person, it was definitely the universal voice for that. What's great is you would have scared the shit out of me if we totally. met in my 20s. Oh, totally. I would have ran to the hills. Oh, totally. But, and, but at the same time, it's... But Francis was fine with it. Well, because... He yeah, fine. Yeah, he wasn't a Jehovah's Witness either. <laughs> no, he was not. Uh, oh, you poor thing, baby. I'm going to take care of you. Don't worry. Not right. that way, but... Yeah, no, no, I'm going to no. look after you. Tony, I got your back. All right. I had his back, too. How? That's why he liked me. Because I wasn't afraid of him. Mm-hmm. He and I were friends. This is not about... Oh, wait, it could have been. Buy my book, you'll see. (laughs) Sorry. I gave away. It's a spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Also, there is a little funny anecdote about my book. Yeah. And a movie. Yes. Did you know the anecdote? No. Lost in translation? There's a clue. There's an Easter egg to Marilee. Oh. There's an Easter egg. My kids, you know what the term Easter egg is, right? Yes. Okay, so my children play a lot of video games. In Lost in Translation, where did Scarlett Johansson go to college? Yale? <laughs> okay, what was her college major? Oh. France. Philosophy? So it's a little Easter egg. And it could have been a coincidence. Was it? You decide. So are you, are you also friendly with his kids then? I knew Sophia very briefly in LA or in Rome. I met with them, but do they know me? Do I know them? No. Yeah. Now, I knew Sophia briefly. Like, I, I had a hello. You know, no, nothing significant. Right. But I'm not trying to overplay my relationship with the Coppolas. Believe me. This is not a thing. Francis Coppola most likely does not remember me. Yeah. That's the likelihood. Yeah. And I'm not here to have him remember me. This is right. my life story, not his. Right. He entered my life. And so did that little person, prince, college boyfriend, banker. Who else is in there? Oh, Giorgio the Playboy. That was his actual name. My college boyfriend is the most... Is the Playboy uh, Dutch or is that a... Uh, no, I'm, I'm just... I'm just Swiss Italian. My college boyfriend was a great sport. I called him last January and said, hey, you know, mm-hmm. blank. Um, I wrote a book about my 20s and he's like... Oh, yeah. yeah. he goes, oh, like that. And then he laughed because his dad's a writer. His sister's a writer. He comes from a family of writers. He was a great sport and he loved my book. Yeah. He loved it. Yeah. Loved it. Loved it. But your husband hasn't read it yet. No. When I was writing it, and a lot of my friends were my readers, my husband and I are both writers, and we, we're also writing partners. We read each other's scripts. We, 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 are writing, we are writing supporters. We are supporters of each other's work. We're a great team. We are 
both writers. That's tough, but we're both doing it. And when I was writing my novel, everybody's like, well, did Reinhardt read it? Did he read it? I'm like, no, I'm not letting him read it. It's a personal sexual exploration of my 20s, and I'm going to have my husband read it? That's absolutely not happening. But there are 50 copies of it lying around the house. He's free to read it any time. He doesn't have to tell me, but I don't think he's interested. I just don't think he's all that into it, and it's another book he has to read. He likes reading history. He doesn't want to read it. But, but I see, I, I would think, see, and this is probably where I need to be fixed, but I, I would think that I would want to know, you know, craft-wise, oh, how, yo, how did you do? Yeah. He just, what does he care? He's brilliant. He's a brilliant writer. He, yeah. he, he's proud of me. Yeah. And one of the reasons I love him is that I'm free in yeah. my marriage. That's why we're married for almost 20 years. Yeah. In April, 20 years. Oh, that's fantastic. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, okay, we'll come back to that. But how do you get, how do you get a gig um, as a tutor to Francis Ford Coppola? Oh, it's a great story. Yeah. Read my book. I'll give you, it's in the book. The, the, there's also, there's, al- there's also an audience. <laughs> okay, I'm going to tell you. I'll tell your audience. First of all, my book is a roman à clé as the French like to call it. Okay. And in American, they say, Roman a clef, which is very hard for me. So like, I can't say croissant, I have to say croissant. So my kids get really triggered because I say croissant. And they also don't like it when I say triggered. Pretty much anything I do triggers my kids, especially when I say triggered. So what happened in, in Rome was I was gallivanting, sort of like the way I gallivant. Uh-huh. You sort of see I'm a gallivanter type. Yeah. I'm kind of... No, you're, you're, uh, even, on the, even on the way to getting coffee, you're like, yo. Yeah. And you're right. you're talking okay. you're talking to people. So. Subtract a lot of years. Yeah. Give me a mini skirt. Take away my old age. Give me beauty and youth. Anyways, I don't think beauty. Now I don't uh, think beauty and youth are the same though. Okay, but many men do. Baby, we're gonna talk about you later. You're you're on deck. Don't worry. This will be about me. But then we're gonna get to you, Tony. You're lucky you met me. You have no idea how lucky you are. You are like, oh my god, this woman's gonna save my life. Okay, so what happened is in Rome... You're like a Cosmo Messiah. Funny you should mention that. <laughs> you know why Tony said that? Because I told him my first script was called Cosmo Christ about a girl who discovers she's the second coming of Christ. Now, I do not believe that about myself because that would make me a bipolar psychotic who has mental issues. But maybe the, or the original Christ also did. Who knows? Oh, yeah, my husband knows a lot about history and he's also a Christian so he has a lot to say yeah. but I'm going to tell you this yeah. I'm a Jew so we get along great we're not unevenly yoked much much to the disgrace of people <laughs> that know us we, we have a great relationship but I'm Jewish he's Christian it's beautiful and by the way I, I love it so what happened in Rome was I was very like the way I am now but again minus the age plus a miniskirt all the whole thing the whole shebang very like the way I am now but again younger and prettier. I'm sorry to say that's just a fact. And I bounced around Rome and waltzed into a bar at the Vineria where everybody hung out and it's the best place in the world and I went back there with my husband and it was like you can't go home again kind of thing. It was so sad but it was okay but it was sad. It was like ghosts. Rome is all about ghosts. So I love Rome more than any other city in the world and I'll tell you about that later. We'll discuss that later. Yeah. So I'm in the bar. Oh, my assistant is just putting down everything that we're discussing later. Great. Yeah. Please do. Make sure you put it all down because it's a lot. I'm working on him. I'm thinking. Okay, so I'm in the bar and this dude comes in. He's got like smoky glasses and he's a short guy. And he's, I was on a date and the guy was like, hey, are you an actress? Now the answer in Rome, are you an actress? What do you say, Tony? No. Incorrect. Try again. You're an actress. I don't know. Are you an actor? 
Maybe. Yes. The answer is yes. So you say, why, yes, I am. Okay, let's try again. Tony, are you an actor? I would lose. I'm merrily okay. Jeopardy. You are so screwed. Okay, so anyway, you would never get to be Francis's philosophy tutor, so you're screwed. Okay, you're just done. Forget it. So I go, yes, and the guy goes, okay, well, we're looking for a really important part, and you can have a screen test tomorrow. But I had to make up a resume and a photo, and like I had, I had a lot to do. So I was like, it's not gonna, I'm not gonna be able to do that by tomorrow because this was the evening. I said I had an audition the next day. I thought on my feet. He said, how about the day after? So on a piece of paper, he wrote Francis F O R, spelled it wrong, Coppola, and then he left. And my my date came back to him in the bathroom. He goes, what was that all about? You know, he, he called him like a Guido because he was racist. You know, he's a guy. I don't want to tell you what nationality he was. It was just some guy. He wasn't he wasn't Italian. And I and I was like defending it. I go, no, I'm pretty awesome. And, and the guy wants me to be in a screen test for the Godfather thing and all this stuff. And he's like, that's not happening. Everyone in the city wants to be in that movie. You're just some nitwit and you're stupid. And he wants to sleep with you. And we had this big argument and then I left the date. So the next day, I, my, my roommate, who was awesome, one of my college friends, she's the best, okay? Partner in crime. She's still around, you know, but she's awesome. And she, um, she and I made up my, we went and had a photo session with this guy that liked her. And we did the whole fake pictures with like the boobs and the whole thing. And then I went and did the one hour photo. And it was really expensive because it's Italy in a certain right. time before the digital age. Yeah. And then I had to, you know, type up. I think it was even a typewriter. It's yeah. sad, like an old word processor, fake resume, all these yeah. phony theater credits. Now, I had been a child actress, but not professionally, just like in plays and stuff. Yeah. So it wasn't like a total like BS thing. It was, But all that resume was all lies. It was like... Now, can I just, I, yeah. I just want to interject. Yeah. I love this so much because some people, like, they have a hard time. Um, no, no, not admitting. But. They have a hard time going out on a limb like that no, no, and just diving in. And you read my book, right? Yeah. It's, okay. it's, I still do that. Yeah. You have to. Yeah. Life's too short. Yeah. But when you're in Rome and you see the layers of dust of humanity, yeah. it reminds you that life is really, really short. So yeah. grab hold of it, right? Yeah. Carpe diem. So... I marched, so my, my roommate, my roommate Olive, she um, helped me do this photo, and she was the best. But there was this other roommate, this dude, who knew the family. He's like, this is bullshit. This is extras casting. That guy was lying to you. He's just trying to sleep with you. You're so dumb. So the next day, I go down to Chinichita, full-on line across the block, extras casting. I was so mad. Guy was right. I'm standing in line. I'm like, okay, this is bogus. And I don't stand in lines. And I, I'm not an Amazonian supermodel like all the other women. I was like five foot four and like mousy with the brown hair. And like, I couldn't compete. Like, these are supermodels. And there were hundreds of them. And they were all in line with their portfolios and stuff. So I go up to the gate and I'm like, I have an appointment. This is like really important. And he's like, get in line. I'm like, I have an appointment. You know, I'm going to get, you know, I'm going to miss my appointment. And he goes, you don't have an appointment. Get in line. So I had to stand in line. Yeah. And then I waited. It was like a really long line. In my book, I shortened it because you don't want people to be bored. Right. But in the in the real world, it was this long line and it kept like snaking in for hours. Yeah. But at one point, it snaked past this open doorway. And I could tell it was where the production was. So I darted inside and said, I had an appointment. And they're like, you do not. You're full of, you know, crap. And you're just, get, you just always get back in line, you know. Yeah, yeah. So I was like, I can't because I told everybody I was like going to be in the screen test. And I was, uh -huh. I was like this isn't going to work. And at that moment, the guy from the bar came down and goes, you're late. And I ran upstairs and everybody in the line was like, why does she get to go upstairs? Yeah. It was awesome. Yeah. But then I had to wait in a chair right. for like another two hours. Yeah. And I got really agitated. Well, you read my book. It was in there. Because my book's fiction. Wait, I forgot to tell you, this is not a real story. 
Shoot. Okay. Anyway, so I'm. No, I'm realizing how much how how much friction how much uh, on top of the novel is your real life. Yeah, it's real. I, I didn't. It's a it's a it's a romantic C'est pas bon. C'est pas bon que tu peux pas. J'aime pas ça. C'est pas bon. Alors, all right. So I think I should be speaking Italian in this podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For, for the rest for the rest of the podcast only answer in Italian. Va bene. On va fare. On va fare lo dispiace. I almost said lo siento cuz I prefer speaking Spanish in LA. Anyway, so not to brag. That's sad. My children say I brag a lot. Yeah. Yeah, they don't like bragging. They also said I was reading my book the other day and my kid goes, "Mom, that's kind of pretentious that you're reading your own book." I'm like you can't win with my kids. Well, what, 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 now, why were you reading your book? I know, I just, one day I decided I would pick it up and look at it and see how many errors were in it. Okay. Now, that, I mean, well, that itself, I mean, that like dis, that disappointed me to no end. I don't want to read my own book. And no, then I had to, yeah, and then I had to read it when I adapted it. Yeah. Oh, no, there's errors. There are, there are errors in every book. Okay, that actually makes me feel better. Anyway, um, so uh, eventually, after a couple hours, this kind of rumpled guy comes out and he was really grumpy and kind of rude to me. And I had been like kind of annoyed. And he took me in this gigantic office. I didn't know who he was. He kind of looked, I don't know, a little like you, weirdly. Yeah. But a, a sad fella. He did not look sad. He looked annoyed. And then he, then he was like, I started looking around his office. And it was so big. And then it was like the desk was messy. And he was cool. And he thought he was, he had an, like a fancy chair. And I was like, I think this might be him, like the guy, Francis. I, I didn't know. Yeah. I'd never seen a picture. I don't know. I, who can remember? It's a million years ago. Right. Most of my book is made up. I mean, the dialogue and stuff, because who can remember? I didn't have a tape recorder. So long story short, I was kind of annoyed at that point. So, you know, he's like, who are you and why are you here? And I'm like, look, I'm just looking for a day job, okay? I, I just met this guy in a bar and then he kind of liked me because I was sort of like you know and then we had this conversation and by the end of it he's like you can be my philosophy tutor and you could be in the movie and you get this part and then I wrote my number on a piece of paper and and then I was like threw it on the messy desk and then I left and I was like that's never gonna happen because that desk is messy and so long story short and again it's all in my book you can read it the details of the conversation was super cute and I was super cute and funny and I'm 22 or whatever no I'm 8 17 sorry sorry I was 15 (laughs) just to just because I'm not really old I'm I had to the age thing is a problem let's just be real because being old sucks okay that's another conversation so I just turned 50 so shut up I I'm not I'm not 50 I'm like 44 oh you're so young oh Permanently. When I'm 80, I'm going to be 46. Just so you know, I froze my age at 46 because I think it's a respectable age. You can't, like, freeze your age at 35. But you can freeze it at 46. Later, I might freeze it at 56. I haven't decided yet. But what, but what about the people who are 47? What about them? I don't them? care what they do. They can freeze their age at 40. I, I don't care what other people do. That's Tony, we're going to talk about that later. All right. The worry about what other people do, that's going to be your... We're going to work on you later. So I went home and I was so happy because what my goal was at a certain point in that line, my goal was I needed to come home with a story. Yeah. So I have the story that I didn't have a screen test, but I had a meeting. And not only did I have a meeting, but the, the picture and the resume went to the casting director with the instructions that I was to play a certain part. And then my roommate, the guy that I was just telling about, he goes, well, that everybody's a cousin. So you're, you're a cousin? Ooh. Well, Marley, I got news for you. Everybody's a cousin. So I was like, okay, dude, that's fine. So what do you care? So I'm a loser, you're a loser, we're all losers, we're all extras, so suck it, suck my cock, you know what I mean? So long story short, at some point, 
when in some period he actually wanted a philosophy tutor like it was a real thing he really wanted to learn philosophy and to be honest I had this whole thing and all my friends were like, oh, he doesn't want to learn philosophy. He just wants, he just wants, he's a guy and you're a girl. Well, here's a newsflash. He wanted to learn philosophy. Yeah. He had his reasons. He had suffered a tragedy. He was an intellectual and he was bored. Why was he bored? Okay, that's not for me to answer. I'm not going to speak for my student. He's a great guy. He's a genius. Everybody knows he's a genius. Here's a newsflash. He actually is a genius. He's brilliant. Oh, yeah. I mean, for reals. I'm not just saying that just to make him happy. I, I don't even know the guy. He wouldn't even remember me, most likely. Right. I remember him, and that's another thing, which, again, is the undercurrent, is that a, a young woman should probably not interact in this way with men like that because it affects them too much. I had to write a whole book to exercise that. And it wasn't just him, it was my whole 20s. So it's a whole story. We'll talk about it later. It would take too long. It would bore your audience to death. They would be so bored. Well, I bore them already, and then the guest like, uh, brings what them in. What they so. need to do is go to Amazon, buy my book. They can read 312 pages of my musings, my, my ponderings, my depression, my sex. There's sex with the guy, and then there's a midget. Oh, I mean a little person. He wanted me to be in a, in a softcore movie, which was awesome. And that really happened. He was my boss at a TV studio, my first job in Rome. And you and this is a this this was the movie that we were talking about before we got on mic that no. you're no oh. no oh this is another soft That's you've different. been in a lot of soft core not in the little person soft core the director died in the intermission of the other movie for really had a heart attack and died before I even arrived at the screening of the re of the movie before that not to mention I was never going to do that movie with a little person as my partner in the soft core movie that was never going to happen wow. but my the the thing I did do one time was I have a girlfriend who's my roommate in in that book who is a director, and she was doing a French TV show at one point. This is later on, in the like in the in the 2050s, like when I was like 30. I don't remember what age I was. Anyway, whatever it was. And she was doing a show, and she... We'll have to talk about your age problem. We'll get back to that after this. Right. I have actual issue with that. I will admit, Tony, here's the good thing about me. I admit all of my complexes and issues. And when my kid psychoanalyzes me, and by the way, if you ever want to save money on therapy, have a kid, wait till he's a teenager, let him, because they're like really mean therapists. So what you do is you listen to all the criticism and you try not to get triggered and upset and emotional and you go, okay, you know he's right. Like he'll say, it's mom, when people dress like that, do you know what, that kind of tells the world what they think about themselves. I'm like, you know he's right. Wow. Yeah, so I, I actually listen to him. That's actually really self-aware. I was yeah. not that self-aware when I was that age. No, my kids are both really smart. Yeah. But, you know, we're going to talk about it. They're, All right. Okay, I, I actually feel bad for you. <laughs> Why do you feel bad for me? Bad. Yeah. I think that's a little hard. It's very Maybe hard. It was great. You know what? We're going to talk about the two because I don't want to be biased. Yeah. I'm open-minded. Well, no, one, it was terrible. Two, uh, there were, there were some good things about it. Three, I got a book out of it. Four, I got a movie out of it. You know what I say so. about all bad experiences? One word. It starts with an M. Material. Yes. Okay, my childhood was so boring. There were swimming pools. My parents were nice. They were lovely. But the neighbor's mom, my best friend's mom, drowned in the pool. Okay, so she was on pills and she drowned. That gave me a little bit of material. Then, that was pretty much it, though. That was yes. the only thing. Then I went to college and, like, weird things happened. And then I went to Rome and then I got material. Thank God. Because if I didn't have that experience... I had just kind of like a nice parents and studied all the time in high school. Yeah. Like really nothing happened. So what was it that got you to Rome? 
I was always a, an adventurer. I went to Paris when I was 19 by myself. I took a year off of college and just ditched off to Paris. Oh, my God. So, uh, okay, so, like, Australia has their gap year, and I think yeah. that is so important, right, right. and it's I have... Very important. Yeah. I did it after my freshman year in college, yeah. but I did do it, and it is extremely important, and yeah. it changed me because I was able to come back with a little bit of... You know, I had a little frisson. I was a little experienced. Yeah. I had a little edge. When I went off to college, I was a naive little nitwit... Right virgin with the rainbow on the wall and the over enthusiastic yeah. geekiness and you know just you cannot go to those type of schools that way it's right. just not it's sad yeah. I was like a sad person yeah. so then I went to Rome, uh, Paris when I was 19 by myself my mother was terrified and scared me by saying scary things to watch out for and then I got paranoid but that's another story. That's for the other conversation with Tony. And so anyway, I don't This is going to be six episodes, but go ahead. Oh, yeah, totally. I've got you covered, baby. You don't ever have to have another guest again. This is just conversation with Tony and Marilee. So basically, I went to Paris, and I was a badass in Paris, and I was going around, and I hung out with, like, drifters and heroin addicts. And, and there was this place in Leal called Le Figaro, and, like, I hung out there till like, 3 in the morning. And I didn't even leave my place till 11 to go out. By myself, my poor mother. And so I went there and I came back to, to Yale and had my boyfriend and got cool again. And that was my first boyfriend, too. Yeah. I was a sort of a sad sack. So then I'd already done the European thing. I wasn't afraid of the world. Right. So what happened was my boyfriend got all excited about my experiences in Paris and decided he was going to move to Paris. And I got really triggered because I was like, well, ye, we're supposed to be together and he's moving to Paris. So I heard about this this woman I met, this 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 person that I'm friends with at Yale, she was going to Rome. So I just sort of fudged it. I go, oh, that's funny. I'm going there too. I just said that out of the blue one day in commons at the natural food line where all the cool people hung out. It was a subversive people hung out there. <laughs> if you're subversive and you go to Yale, you know what I mean? So she was going to Rome and I was like, I'm going to Rome too. But it was a total lie. And then I told my boyfriend I was going to Rome and he was going to Paris. And then I, I don't know, he might've gotten triggered. I don't know. But then I went to Rome. And that's why I went to Rome. But then it turned out it was actually an extremely good fit for me. And at the same time, there it is again. You almost put it out there to the world, even though it was, it was almost like it was meant to be, where you're just like, I'm going to Rome. And it was, and it was, it was a lie at the moment. You, moment. But, not, but you didn't, it wasn't like, you didn't have any plans to go to Rome. Yeah. And something inside that's of you, insane. maybe you're in touch with your subconscious, because your subconscious was already going, we're going to Rome, lady. And then... I didn't even like Rome. I had gone yeah. to Rome with the, as a like, typical, like, on the URL pass, and it was all crowded and sweaty and gross. Yeah. I did not speak Italian. Yeah. I was from L.A. I spoke a little Spanish like everyone takes it in high school, right. but I had studied French. I was, yeah. you know, a francophile. Yeah, yeah. I was really into La Nouvelle Vague. I was into, you know, Godard and, you know, all those movies. Yeah. And um, I just decided to go to Rome. Yeah. I had to learn Italian. It was easy. I love it's, Italy. Italian's like the easiest language yeah. I... It feels like the easiest language yeah, to learn. That's insulting to me. Yeah, you're dissing me. We're going to talk about that later. <laughs> no, wait, wait. Like okay, 20. You're saying that because you don't speak Italian. No, well, 20 years ago, I was good enough in Italian to be conversational oh, when I was talk. there. Okay, then we'll speak Italian. But okay. now I'm. But now I'm not. Dove my cabeza? Okay. Dove la mia testa? My Italian sucks right now. But if I went to Rome after a few weeks, it would come back. Yeah. And you know, I'm going to take you there and we're going to work on you there. Okay. I think it's a good place to work on you. Great. Uh, it's in the You're plan. Not marrying Italian. I'm kidding. They're beautiful. The Italian women are absolutely stunning. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. We'll talk about Italian men later. <laughs> I'm kidding. They couldn't. I, I. I did not get along well. I'm too loudy. I'm a loudmouth. 
You got to be able to put up with me. Well, and here's the thing. Here's now speaking of Italian men, they can't adjust their balls in public anymore. Did you hear about no, this law? I, I haven't, but God bless them. I feel so bad for them. You know what? That's actually uncool. I'm going to go there and and lobby against that. That's yeah. actually really distressful to me. I'm upset to hear that, Tony. Now I'm upset. Because I feel like that's part of that's one of the tourist attractions to go to Italy is to see a lot of men adjust their balls. Didn't think about it at the time. Mm-hmm. I wasn't really into the genitalia thing, right. but. I did like the attention because I was sort of a nerd when I was younger. So they're like, hey, va bene, bella, bella. I'm like, I'm bella. And it turns out everybody's bella, but I kind of got confused. I was like, wow, I must really be pretty because the men are calling me bella. And it's like, no, honey, you're just female. But, you know, it's kind of sad. I'm kind of a sad person. It's good to go through that, though, um, to get, I, I, don't, I don't know, because from a, from a female point of view, to understand the, um, that there are a lot of men that are coming after you almost in this like animalistic way right. and then to learn oh okay whoa shit right. now I gotta okay. push back and try to understand here's a news flash and, and you're gonna give me a news flash okay. news flash <laughs> <laughs> news flash at the other side yeah, of the I'm table gonna quote, I'm gonna quote one of my all time besties my delightful yeah. best friend wonderful person I will not name her she calls it the superpower yeah and I argue with her I go, she goes, every young woman has the superpower. I go, no, they don't. Yeah. Not the unattractive one. She goes, they're all beautiful, baby. Yeah. Okay, she doesn't say baby, but she's, you know. So her theory is they all have the superpower. And she was instructed, you know, she was raised by a pretty tough dad. And, you know, she's not going to, she didn't mess around like I did. She, she was smarter than me. Yeah. Okay, that's a whole other story. We'll talk about her later. Yeah. Well, we won't talk about it. That's her story to tell. But what, I, but what I didn't understand when in my 20s is what's in my book. My book is really a map for what not to do when you're in your 20s as a young woman. Don't trade in on your looks. Focus a little bit harder on your work. Don't don't play that game. Don't let the men do that to you because you're wasting your time. Yes, beauty is fun. Being young and sexy is fun. Even, even the sexual stuff is fun. Have fun. Be safe. Do, be safe, please. Be safe. But there's nothing wrong with exploring your sexuality. But when you do it at the expense of career building creative expression you harm yourself for real okay and that's what my book is about it's it's to tell young women just don't do this because it 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 had a big negative effect on me not the exploration of boys and sex and because that's wonderful it's it's the part where I actually actively messed up career stuff because I was like buying into the bs and and one of the biggest things I bought into was certain dynamics with this 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 man that I was tutoring he didn't he was just kind of get his tutoring yeah. like I really think that's all he was trying to do yeah. but I was creating this whole thing in my head and it it was my own bad my bad I always believe you know clean up your side of the road and I do that in my marriage too like my bad I don't believe women should be blaming their husbands for all their issues just fix your stuff and he'll he'll put up with you or he won't and if he doesn't then so what go find another husband and vice versa by the way to the husbands Yes. My poor husband, he has to put up with me. <laughs> That's why I feel bad for him. Yeah, but but you've been together for 20 years, and I, almost 20 years, and I feel like that is a hugely successful yeah. relationship. I know it's, he, he I know it's very him. hard, because I'm divorced. I was married, oh. for, thir- I was married for 13 years. Wait, 13? That's yeah. Bad. Okay, we're going to talk about that. That's not bad, Tony. I'm actually, you know what? Respect, dude. I'm, I'm feeling respect now. We'll talk about it later, but 13's not bad. Yeah. I mean, yeah. and the situation was completely different it was she was still Jehovah's Witness so oh, the, 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 mar- oh, so the marriage oh. was the marriage was dead like 
oh. almost at the beginning. Oh. But <laughs> it started out saying the marriage of the undead. <laughs> I don't know. It's not nice for me to say because I think that's for me disrespectful to your religion. I need to know that, that I'm not in that religion anymore. Right, I'm really I'm cool with disrespecting it. Okay, but look. I believe in respecting people's religion. My yeah. brother became an Orthodox Jew. Uh -huh. My sister has a different philosophical bent religiously as well. So yeah. there's three of us. There's a secular, agnostic, philosophy major. There's an Orthodox Jew. And then there's what my sister is, which is totally her own thing. And we all three respect each other completely. Yeah. And you have to. So I don't know. Maybe the Jehovah's are... I don't know. I don't know enough about it. The thing about... I just know that Michael Jackson's family was a Jehovah. I, I don't oh, know yeah. about it. Yeah. You'll tell me later. You want to tell me now? What what am I telling you? I don't know about Jehovah's, or is that for the next one? Um, uh, yeah, it's uh, you, can, you can read my book. <laughs> I will be. I'll be. No, no, I'm telling the audience. I have one click. I might be able to one click it while I turn my car on. If the card goes through, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> and with and with I'm your, I'm making you laugh, Tony. That's my job is to make Tony laugh, and I just met him. He's laughing. Yeah, and and then when you when you click it, then you can also watch it while you're while you're in traffic. You can oh, watch yeah, the I totally DVD or watch. The oh, I totally do that. I do a lot of things in traffic. My children really told me one time. My kid said, "Mom, I'm afraid to drive with you." I'm like, "I've never gotten in an accident." Really, in your whole life? Except in high school once. Yeah, I, I got in like two accidents. Me in high school, and she blamed me. This lady blamed me for rear-ending me. I was triggered. Yeah, it was upsetting. That trigger that triggers me right now. <laughs> My parents are very supportive. I absolutely had the best parents, and I think I had to wait for them to die to write the sex book. By the way, that's interesting. You know, the, um, I've I talked to I've talked to people, and this is something I've used when I talk to classes. Is when you're when you're writing your book, you have to pretend like your parents are dead. Yeah. If they're I, not I, dead, I, I, they actually were. My mother yeah. died in '09. Yeah. And it was tragic and horrible. And she lived with me and helped me raise my kids. And she was yeah. my best friend. And she left. She was gone. And I went into an existential crisis. But, of course, when you read my book, you'll see that that tends to happen with me. Yeah. A roman à clé. Okay. Um, my I'm going to order one right after we're done. You haven't ordered my book? No, no. Roman, roman à Claire. They have the roman à Claire's here? Okay. God bless you, Tony. We're going to work on that. I'm teasing you. You're the best. I'm enjoying you, Tony. You're so great. I knew you were great by the phone call that we had. Was it a text? It was an email. Never mind. It wasn't a phone call. Yeah. Who can remember? I don't know. Anyway, um, so it was last year actually. It was last decade that God we. God bless you. Yeah. I know it was the last. It was another decade, another year. Yeah. We can do all that stuff. Ten years ago in 2019, right. a whole decade ago. Anyway. I don't feel a day over 2019. Me neither. I'm feeling like like spring chicken. Yeah. I'm feeling like 13 days old. Oh God. <laughs> <laughs> I can't even. Like I can't even. You were married, thirteen, <laughs> and this date is thirteen. So Tony and I are gonna like do some kind of numerology thing. Whoa. Are, Whoa. You, are you into that? No, of course not. Do I look like I'm into that? I, well, you're into philosophy, which is really cool because yeah. I only kind of discovered philosophy a few years ago. Sad. I'm kidding. No, it, well, there are many things that are sad. I, I, I just about me too. I'm actually sadder than you. We're gonna have a sad off after this podcast. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna win. <laughs> no, I'm actually gonna win for real. I don't think you so. You're so screwed. No, no, you have no idea. Oh. I'm winning the sat off. All right. I bet you a single espresso that I'll win. I'll take it. What about a martini? I'll bet you uh, the, the, the small martini. Why are you only getting me a small one? I want a double with three olives. Okay, I'll tell you what. I'll buy the martini. I'll get okay. the olives. Thank you. You're the best, Tony. You are the best. <laughs>
I have her olives. No, no, no. no. But if you win the sat off, I will buy you either a coffee or a martini. Yeah. You might not be a drinker. Maybe you're dry. I mean, it is LA. You could be an AA. I could be gluten-free. <laughs> <laughs> Dairy-free, gluten-free, sugar-free. I think I'm food-free. I just don't put anything okay. in my body. Nothing. On dietary restrictions. I have a very strong pet peeve against it. The gluten-free, dairy-free. I lived in Italy, okay? Yeah. It's the gluten capital of the world. And my friend's like, well, it was a different kind of wheat. I'm like, okay, I give up. Yeah. I like carbonara. If I had my way, I'd eat carbonara, bread, wine, caprese, bolognese every single day. Except when I ate sushi the other days. Oh. Yeah. So I love starches. Yeah. But, you know, I can't eat them all the time anymore either. But I hate talking about diets. It cracks me up that people with a lot of dietary restrictions go to restaurants and expect that the dietary restrictions, they push it on the restaurant. And now these goddamn restaurants are like, we understand you. Don't get me triggered. And by the way, if you want me to go on a rant, we'll talk about that. If you want another rant out of me, We'll discuss people's dietary issues in restaurants. Otherwise, we can just put that aside for the next podcast. Okay, so we'll we'll table the dietary restrictions in restaurants and how disgusted we are. Yes, we're going to table that. I might blow a gasket. But but we'll keep the disgust level a little high as we keep going. Tony, it's always (laughs) high, honey. Just don't don't even get me started. I'm worried right now that I parked in a restricted zone around the block. What? I didn't want to go to the valet. Is that restricted around the block? What, what around the block? What are you talking I, about? I, par- I pulled over to the light and I took a right and I parked. Yeah. I hope I don't get a ticket. On the street. Yeah, it's parked on the street. There's no street cleaning today. Okay, I haven't lived in this area in a long time. I'm looking at graffiti across the way. Yeah. I'm getting triggered. No, no, no I think you're... I think I'm you're... I think you're <laughs> trigger right now. I'm feeling like an imposter in hipster land. We, we lived in Lake Hollywood for a long time and I, I, I felt really good about myself. Like, I had a house in the hills and stuff. You know, I'm triggered right now. I'm kind of upset. Please tell me my children will never listen to this. <laughs> anyway, continue. What else do you want to know? Oh, I need to know everything. No, but yeah, the, no, no. But I got into philosophy, and I, I just okay. learned about stoicism, and I, and I'm reading that. That is it. Sad that I haven't learned it, or is it sad that I'm reading about it? The latter. Really? I think you should stop being a stoic. Well, no, no. I'm not being a stoic, but I'm, I'm learning. I'm learning the diff- the different. Uh, things. What are you, like, who are you reading? Like, give me the, the person that you're reading. Tony Robbins. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, then I don't feel bad at all. I actually feel happy for you. You're getting something out of it. He's so cute. He's kind of hot too. Like, he's hot. He's so creepy and hot. Like I would, I would totally t- tap that. <laughs> like if I went to one of his seminars, I would figure out like how to tap him. Yeah. If I weren't married. Yeah. Which I am. Yeah. Married. Yeah. My poor husband. Well, this you- is why he doesn't read my book. Do you understand? Well, uh, I'm mouthy. And the thing is, you you want to see if if the tapability mm-hmm. is actually That's an option. If it wasn't, it's not an option for me. I'm too old, and he would not like me. But he wouldn't like me anyway. But he definitely wouldn't like me now. But he wouldn't like me anyway. Have you seen the movie? I'm not. Uh, I'm not your guru. The one about him. Yes. It was so good. So good. Yeah. I loved it. Not as good as the Bikram movie though. <laughs> oh my god! I mean the rapist yeah. movie. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I love that movie so much. I can't explain to you how much my husband and I liked the Bikram movie, but we also just watched the cat one. <laughs> the cat documentary, Don't Mess With Cats. Okay, we're going to talk about that later. Oh, I want to watch that. Yeah, I love cats. No, I'm like... No, no, you don't want to watch it if you love cats. That's really? why... You, we'll talk about that later, Tony. Okay. We're tabling the cat one. Okay. I got very triggered. Yeah. I get upset about animals. Like, I was, I was in the middle of the night. I woke up briefly, and I decided to listen to the Daily Podcast, 
and I, I started crying about the koalas. So the next day, my husband goes, why are you crying in the middle of the night? I'm like, because I'm hormonal, and i sad about the koalas. And all the animals, like half a billion animals in Australia. That's another conversation we're going to talk about. And then these, well, what cracks me up, I really, this is what drives me nuts about social media, is the virtue signaling of like one person doing one good thing and all of a sudden they're a poster, poster person. This woman saved a koala. A one goddamn woman saves a goddamn koala. She's probably a bitch to the people at the restaurants. She's probably a horrible person. And then she saves a koala and she's poster one. Okay, I'm going to tell you something. We're going to have to table the social media thing because I'm very triggered right now about social media. Don't get me started on social media, people's curation of their lives, the, the, the weird, like, when I was in high school, we had busing, and every day at lunch, a black chick and a white chick would get in a fight, a lot of times in my high school. And, you know, it was disturbing, but the whole high school would, like, shh, like, run in, like, a mass to, like, where the fight was, and that's what social media reminds me of, like, everybody's, like, running in one direction, and everybody's in an echo chamber, like, they go, oh, you know what? I block this person and I block that person because they said something I don't like. And I'm like, yeah, you know what? Block them. But at the same time, now you live in an echo chamber. So I don't know what to say to any of these right. people. I don't like the right. I don't like the left. Come on, people. Really? And by the way, Anthony Bourdain wrote the very best opinion piece about the elite Eastern elites and how their attitudes towards the middle of the country. I really recommend reading that. We'll talk about that later. I'll give you a reading list. But I, I want to tell me now. So we got that. It's just brilliant it's an analysis of the eastern elites the, the yeah. co no coastal elites so yeah. the, the west coast the east coast yeah, washington yeah. dc and you know we gotta like get it together yeah. because disrespecting people who have a different opinion than you is just sad yeah. that is just sad yeah. and i'm not gonna do it i have a husband from texas he is not we are we are Ew, gross yeah see no, i'm kidding i'm so triggered right now and we met in the middle because we listen to each other and we're learning from each other. It's not that complicated. And by the way, I'm not that special. That's one thing I learned about my book because I used to think I was super special, and I'm actually not. That that's another thing. I you mean you mean after you wrote the book or uh, no, what? No, I mean, what? the whole thing about my 20s was the the analysis of my 20s was I thought I was really special. Yeah. And it was a complex, my parents were like early millennials. They raised us in a way that maybe I was felt I was really special. And I went to an Ivy League school and I was special. And I wasn't. And that was a problem. I'm just kidding. I think, every, I think everyone between like 18 and 22, yeah. when I see them at these colleges, just feel special well, about themselves. It, it's in their eyes an and it scares problem. me. Yeah, okay, That's an actual problem. Yeah. And I was an early one of those. Yeah. I was like an early sample of creepiness that's seeping into our culture i embodied that problem and it did not do me any good just trust me yeah. i'm not believe me i'm not thrilled with myself about that it's sad yeah. that's why i'm gonna win the sad off but you but I you but you came out of it off. no i'm not out of anything tony i'm winning the sad off i'm kidding but i might i don't know maybe not i'm looking at you thinking maybe he'll win it's gonna be fun though we're gonna do it we're totally doing it tony we're gonna do it it's gonna be awesome <laughs> I'm glad I can make you laugh. <laughs> well, okay. So, what uh, what was the what got you interested in philosophy and becoming a philosophy major? Would you like to hear one? Yeah. True story. Went to a big public high school. Never exposed to philosophy. Right. Not exposed to psychology. Just basic stuff like AP classes and whatever. Go to college and had the classic, you know, that first philosophy class. And I just remember sitting outside in my first class of probably introduction to philosophy, I don't even remember, 101, and the teacher pointed to a chair and she goes, 
we don't know what that chair is in itself, like outside of our perception. <laughs> I was like, whoa, my mind just literally split open. I actually hadn't even considered that. Yeah. That's sad. Do you see why I'm talking about I win the sad off? That's just sad. But see, you, you realized that when you were in uh, college. I realized that when I was like 42. Okay. <laughs> That's even sadder. You're going to win. But I want to explain to you why I majored in philosophy besides yeah. the fact that philosophy fascinated me. First of all, I like reading novels. I read them all the time. I read all through high school. I never paid attention to my teachers. I read Dostoevsky. I read, you know, Henry James. I read it all. Why do I need to do that in college? I do it on my own. Right. One thing that I knew, even back then, I had the awareness that I was never going to be able to read Heidegger, Hegel, Husserl, Kant, Derrida, even Aristotle, even any of the easier ones like Sartre, because Sartre appears easy. It's not that easy. Hegel never understood it even while I was at Yale. I actually don't understand Hegel. You have to know a lot about history, and my history was I really needed 10 years of college to get something out of college. Yeah. For, I'm not actually kidding. So. The reason I majored in philosophy was I knew I had the awareness that I would never be able to read this stuff on my own. And that is 100% accurate. I have never read it again except to, to research for my tutor, for my student, and then also to do some like refreshing for my novel because you forget stuff and details. But in terms of like actually understanding the text, you really need a teacher. Kant, I'm sorry, it's too difficult. The, the, the categories, the whole complex systems, um, all the analyses, just it's just Husserl, just all of it. It's just too difficult. So I'm grateful that I had that awareness because I can. I love reading literature. I did not want to read it in college. It just wasn't necessary. And I did take English in college because it was a requirement. And I did a little for history. Although I do tell people now if I went to college today with the awareness I have now of the world, I would do a history major. My husband oh, really? was a history major. Yeah, because yeah, it's really important. Yeah. Although my husband still reads a lot of history, which I could do if I had the patience, yeah. which I do not. But at the same time, um, go, I, I feel like uh, going to college and uh, what college should do is set you up to want to learn and read even more. And and sure. so instead of, you know, instead of going for, to college for 10 years, let's give you this and then let's make you curious sure. and let's sure. keep you going. But college doesn't make anybody curious. I they're know. already curious or they're not. You know, yeah. look. Here's you shut it down. Thing. You are what you are. You are. College can't make you something, but it can. Okay, wait, I'm wrong. It can open up a person right. like I was from a big public high school in LA I went to a fancy private school for college that expanded me but I could have done that at Cal State Northridge they would I could have taken a philosophy class there so right. really it has nothing to do with where I went to college it was just college so I'm very grateful that I majored in philosophy to this yeah. day huge gratitude my kids like mom that's like really impractical my kids all triggered that I majored in philosophy so that's They're like, why don't you major in computer science oh, at the yeah. right time? Well, he speaks Mandarin and is a computer expert. My other son also knows computers. You know, look, they are millennial. They are post-millennial generation Q or whatever they are. That's a whole other story. We'll talk about that later. They're fabulous. They're much smarter than I am. But philosophy, I have no regrets. Yeah. None. I have plenty of regrets, just not about that. I, I love hearing about philosophy majors, history majors. Yeah. Those are fun. Yeah, my husband was a history major. Yeah. He's an absolute... Like, he has this unbelievable... He's a historian. Everybody calls him for history questions. But he's unusual, which is why I married him, because he's brilliant. Yeah. I, don't, I, don't, I don't like people that aren't brilliant. I, I only prefer brilliant people. So I'll have to figure that out about you later. About what? If I'm... Uh, if you're brilliant. But uh, you might be. I don't, know. I don't know. We'll talk about that later. Yeah. We'll, I, we'll it's not something I strive for. I mean, I'm no, not... It's like, actually good not to strive for it. Again, the special thing. See, now I'm triggered, because I actually... I'm like revealing that I still think I'm special. <laughs> I 
I'm trying not to. Look, I'm working on myself, Tony. <laughs> I was just gonna. I was gonna ask you a question. Oh yeah, going back to um, what we were talking about, Anthony Bourdain, and we veered off, but uh, the, about the coastal, yes, about the coastal yes, thing, yes, yes. and how how your how your husband's like yeah. from Texas. But he's not. Look, nobody's a cliche in my home. Yeah. Nobody is, including him. I feel like it, everybody is so cliched. Um, when we think about like middle America and when they think about us that it really sucks and if if we were if I just went and had a cup of coffee with a random person in like Kansas I would have a great conversation and have a friend look I'm gonna tell you something if we don't stop being a divided nation we're going down I lived in Rome hello Rome Rome knock knock the fall of Rome it is so simple and yet it's sad. And the reason is because people are so convinced that they're right. right. And I'm around a lot of people on the West Coast, obviously. I live in L.A. My husband's been in L.A. for a long time. He went to USC film school. We just don't have the patience for it. And when I'm in Texas, a lot of times I can't talk to certain people either. So kind of like stuck in the middle, I'm looking for people that are open-minded because I don't. I actually think I'm wrong a lot. And I actually don't have an answer for everything. Like, for example, here's one example, yeah. the death penalty. I don't know. I'm conflicted. I've never been a victim of that type of crime. Right. Who am I to say? I don't know. Look, I don't know. Right. Is that so hard? And also this whole thing about like the religious, right? You know, how about respecting their religion? Yeah. Hello? Yeah. Okay, so then the whole thing with abortion. If you really believe that it's murder, then you wouldn't want people to do it. So I have a healthy respect for someone who has a different opinion. Right. I share a different opinion. I'm, I'm pro-choice. I'm a left coast Jewish liberal person. I grew up in LA. I have very, I, I'm a lifelong Democrat, for example. But don't get me started on all the people on the far right and on the far left because we're not going to get anywhere if we don't listen to each other. And if we don't respect each other, my God, respect. It is so simple. I just don't understand it. I, I'm sad for this nation. I'm sad for the world. I'm sad for the koala bears. I'm sad for everybody. I'm sad. It saddens me. That's why I was crying for the koala bears. I didn't want to turn this into a sad podcast. The sad podcast. We'll get back to the, the happy podcast. Mary Lee, thanks so much for being on the show. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> Mary Lee Albert on Drinks with Tony. Check out her book, The Tutor. And thanks for listening to episode 69, a pivotal number amongst us gentlemen who have never fully escaped pubescent humor. Again, that was episode number 69. Next week, we will air episode after number 69, and that episode features Chloe Hilliard. Until then, thanks for listening to episode 69. And no, some jokes never, ever, 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 ever. Okay, wait. If you guys are really us... What number are we thinking of? 69, dudes! Never, ever, ever get old. Have a great week, and thanks for listening to Drinks with Tony.